Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. You know, I met uh, I, I met Chris Kerber. Chris Kerber was in. This is I was going to bring this up. And Chris Kerber's with us now. We are actually on 101 ESPN. But Kerbs, Kerbs was an intern of mine at KMOX back in the day, and was sensational. And at that time, uh, and Kerbs, uh, I, I'm not putting him on the spot or anything because uh, he put it up on Facebook over the course of uh, of the weekend. But uh, we have Chris back, so. Uh, Chris's mother had had just passed, and it's just one of the more incredible stories. And so I've I've known this story for thirty years, but it's one of the more incredible stories that I've ever heard. When uh, Chris's mom, Chris Kerber's mom, was going to uh, receive a degree, and she was wheelchair bound at that time, and Kerbs joins us now on one hundred and one ESPN, not Camwax. Uh, Kerbs, good morning. It's great to have you with us. And I was heartened by this story 30 years ago, and I still am. Can you tell people about that day and you pushing the wheelchair? Yeah, uh, yeah, Randy, thanks. Yeah, it was uh, just a few days ago, the 13th of July, it was 30 years since she had passed. And, uh, and I'm the second oldest of, of nine kids as a lot of people know. So I had to, uh, my, my youngest sister was only 12 at the time, but mom was always pretty, like huge on education. You know, we were out, living out in the Rockwood school district when the Rockwood school district was really young and in its infancy. And for example, like at Chesterfield elementary where there were about four or five of us at one point in time, I think anytime she pulled into the parking lot, the principal had a button under his desk <laughs> that sent an alarm through every classroom. Right. And said, hey, teachers, sharpen up. Here comes Mrs. Kerber. Because, well, she had not finished school herself. She was just self-educated and made sure that she was on top of things. So, yeah, th- things as small as this, right? You know, my, my, my brother, Kevin, was always bouncing off the walls, and she'd send him to school with a bag of peanuts. And she'd tell the teacher, just right about 9 or 10 in the morning, go ahead and feed him. He'll calm down. And they're like, well, we can't do that because the other kid, she goes, okay, well, then you deal with him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so sure enough, they'd send him into the hallway, did a little bag of peanuts. You know, she would, the, the idea of, like, eating a little bit more often kind of thing, right? So anyway, I, I say that because she, education was so important. Well, she finally, as, a, as you know, the kids were getting a little bit older and we were all getting a, a tad older, she said she'd gone back to school. So she went to went to UMSL, um, did some work with the student radio station there and uh, and and really and got into mass communications and production. Well, uh, it would have been December, right around December. She was dealing with back pain and stuff and then. They couldn't figure out what it is. Right about December of '92, they, you know, they determined it was cancer, and she basically had six months to live. It, it had metastasized throughout her entire body at that point in time, and you know, and she she dealt with, uh, you know, she was a smoker. Uh, she, she 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 dealt with alcoholism. You know, at times it put, you know pulled us into the room, said, "I'm checking myself into a hospital because I, uh, uh, you guys don't know, but I've been picking you up sometimes drunk." You know, so we, we dealt with that as a family and, uh, you know, the good and the bad and, and, and everything that goes with it. But she stev- always stayed steadfast. Her kids were the most important thing. She she always pushed education. And she ended up finishing her college degree in May of 93, just basically maybe even it was June when she actually uh, had her graduation just about a month before she passed. So we got her out of the car and into her wheelchair 
uh, at, at the UMSL graduation. And I was supposed to, when her name was called, wheel her to the front of the stage, and the dean was supposed to come, and uh, the dean was supposed to come and hand her her, because she could barely walk, right, and hand her her diploma at the front of the stage. Well, I get to the right side of the stage, and she says, stop. And I go, okay. You, even then, you did what she said, right? There was no arguing with mom and dad back in those days, right? And uh, and so she got up. She lifted herself out of the wheelchair, walked up the stairs, walked across the stage, got her diploma, came across the stage, sat down in the wheelchair on the other side of the stage when she came down the stairs, looks at me and says, I told you education was that important. Wow. And I'm like, and it, and it really, it truly is one of the more powerful, you know, things I had seen because I'm telling you, she, she could barely walk. You know, we had to basically lift her to get her into the, into the wheelchair. And then a month later, uh, when she passed on July 13th, I mean, she was 89 pounds at that, you know, the night before and was in the room with her and you had to give her water through a syringe. Like it was, it was difficult. And, uh, but, but she had, there was just the, there was the power of the human mind. Like one more quick one, if, if I can sure. indulge you, Randy, it's like, so my sisters, I, I had a sister that was, uh, one of my sisters was about to, to graduate and mom wanted, uh, mom wanted them to see some of the ruins in Greece. So she sent two of my sisters with her sister, with their aunt over to Greece. Well, she, like mom basically had to be told at that point in time, Hey, let go. You know, like she, she was fighting so hard, like, like, let go. It'll be okay. And, and before she lost her ability to talk, she says, not while the kids are over in Europe. I don't want this to happen while they're over there. And I've never seen, like, I learned so much about how strong the human mind can be because it was right when two of my sisters landed basically from Greece. My dad said to my mom, nor they've, they've, they've landed. And it was about 10 minutes later, she passed away. Wow. So. Like I, I saw the just the power of the human mind, and and I don't bring that up for people to be sad. I don't bring that up for people to be uh, upset. The the thing for me when it comes to to that story is the story of strength, the story of resilience, the story of battle. Like I said, she she battled alcoholism, um, her you know for a long time. You know it was it was a family addiction, and and uh, uh, but even then she could still she could still you know she she battled through, and yeah, she ended up losing the battle, but. I think it's a, a great story of resilience and, and, and how you still find a way and everything that, that she did. And, and I still, you know, I, I, I battle on that, the education front kind of in her honor. Also, I, I realize the level of importance to it, but like I, when people say, ah, I just had lunch with my mom or, you know, or uh, we're going to see my mom, like I'm genuinely happy. I love hearing those stories because I'm genuinely happy that, that they have a chance to do that. But it's a, uh, um, over time, it's become like memories of strength, if that makes sense. Sure. It's a beautiful story, Curbs. Thank That's you for cool. sharing oh. that. Um, yeah. We wanted to get into some blues talk here with Alexi Torpchenko, obviously the big news from this past weekend, making his signing official. He avoids arbitration and signs for two years. That's exciting news. What, what did you make of all that? Yeah, you know what? So there's two types of arbitration. One where the team files and one where the player files. What you tend to find in most kiss situations, now sometimes it does get to all the way through, but a lot of these situations, it becomes a, the the filing is a trigger point where all of a sudden the actual the award that could come is out of the control of both the team and the player, and and it's an outside party trying to figure out what you're worth, and I don't think anybody really likes that. 
So in the end, his arbitration day would have been July 20th, would have been coming up this week, and they ended up coming to a two-year deal. That's typically what happens. It's either either they figure out how to solve it with term or the player, you know, doesn't get quite as much as they wanted and the team doesn't, you know, uh, hold them as low as they wanted. Somewhere in the middle they find that ground and they do it. I, I think this is a fantastic one. Alexei Torovchenko continues to grow. He's one of the uh, – you remember when we uh, were actually rained? I don't think you were in the Friday. Kerry asked me, he's like, how's the season going to be? And I was honest <laughs> with him. So, no, you weren't because you named it. What would you name it? Hope what? Yeah, what uh, yeah we're, we're high on hopium. <laughs> hopium. Yeah, we're high on hopium. <laughs> part, of, part of the hopium, I love, man, we got that. Now, that's got to get on a T-shirt. <laughs> that's, the, that's the next 101 ESPN T-shirt. We're high on hopium. Yeah. I think part of the success for the St. Louis Blues, if, if they're going to exceed expectations and maybe be more competitive in this retool earlier than, you know, Doug Armstrong, say, had planned or, or the process, is is the hopium that Sun guys are going to, you know, perform at a more consistent level maybe than we have seen them. And that, that includes guys like Verana, Kapanen, you know, and, and, and on down the line. Well, young guys like Alexei Toropchenko have got to take the step. And the Blues have opened up the opportunity for them to do it. And and so he has. Can he go – can he make himself say, I, I, I don't want to play seven minutes on the fourth line. I want to play 12 minutes on the third line. I want to be a penalty killer. I, I can play even strength 10, 12 minutes on the third line. I can get three minutes of penalty kill. I can get 13 to 15 minutes a game. He's got that kind of hockey sense. He's got that attitude. He's got that coachability. He's got that physicality. He can do it. The question is, does he take that next step? So with a two-year contract, he gets a little bit of security. I think it's a fair contract for what they they think of him. They like him a lot. And, and now we see if he can take that next step. He's one of those guys where, okay, you know, are you ready to take that next step and, and, and find it? And, well, we all hope he does. Curves, what do you think the biggest hurdle for this coaching staff is going to be in getting this team to play at the level that you're talking about, this, this hopium that we have? <laughs> I, I can't tell you how much I love that. Like, <laughs> the, uh, um, you know what, Kerry? That's, that's, a, that's a really good question here because – well, we've got some new members of the coaching staff, right? You've got a former NHL defenseman and Mike Weber will be taking over for uh, for for uh, Mike Van Ryan. Um, I, I think I, to me, it's going to require some patience. I, I think one of the biggest challenges that they're going to have is you've got you've got these some veteran players, Pareko, Shen, uh, you know Perron. Uh, and and you know, well now Kevin Hayes uh, you know on on the front side uh, Justin Falk Nick Letty Tory Krug and, and and more importantly Jordan Bennington and so you've got you've got veteran guys that are like hey we don't want to lose you know, we're we're better than five hundred these guys are going to be pushing the envelope on, on one side of it at the same time if you are going to kind of turn the page to some younger guys Thomas Kyrou new guys coming in Jake Neighbors we just mentioned Toropchenko and some guys like that. Uh, but you're going to have some patience too because mistakes are still going to get made. So to me, I think one of the great challenges, and I think Craig Berube is one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League at this, is coaching guys up, coaching players up in the National Hockey League while they're playing in the NHL and doing so while you're still meeting expectations and balancing out that gap between young players and veteran guys. 
Um, I, I, I don't know that in my time in the National Hockey League, I've seen a coach do a better job of advancing NHL players while they're in the NHL. Barbashev, Kairou, uh, you know, Thomas, and, and, uh, and guys like that that Craig, Craig Berube has done. And I, I think that's going to be a huge piece uh, for this hockey team this winter. Curbs, as always, great stuff. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks for the uh, reminiscences. We appreciate it, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah, I appreciate you asking about that today, Randy. Thank you very much. You, you guys have an awesome week. We'll see you during the week. You bet, Curbs. Take care. Chris Kerber, Voice of the Blues, here on 101 ESPN, joining us.